Good morning and welcome to Wednesday morning, October the 4th in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we continue year A, proper week 22, which is the 19th Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Wednesday of the week, I'd like to pick up one of the extra scripture passages that are floating around in this week of the Revised Common Lectionary, this week of the church's calendar year. And so we've covered this one before. I mean, we've covered about everything, but we're covering this one again. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making this part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared up stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut off, cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated. And briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. This is the word of God for us. I think one of the honest questions that we should ask is, on what grounds does God um, have in dealing with this world? Um, We confessionally say that God created this world, and that should be enough. And the fact that he is above everything should be enough as well. But I think for some, like they would say, but but there's got to be another dimension. Like, what, there's there's got to be a, a way in which we say yes. I mean, even though God is all powerful, even though God knows all things, um, there, there's an element of governing and watching over something. I think that we expect uh, something where it's like love is involved, or care is involved, or benevolence is involved, and not just well, I have the power to do so, so I'm going to do this, right? Like if somebody came into our town, and if they were an elected official or not, maybe they bought a bunch of property and they just started like messing with streets and roads and signs and they started you know kicking these people out because of their nationality or something like like we'd raise a stink right we'd say like on what grounds can you do these things this seems to be out of the character of someone who should be in charge and i think that has been something that philosophers and theologians and people in church pews have been talking about for a long time what type of god do we see in the pages of scripture like what type of god do we see who's in the midst of floods in Genesis and uh, you know the the uh, campaign of the Promised Land and the Book of Joshua, like what type of God is this? And is this a God that we should adore and worship, or is this a God that we should run away from and be afraid of? On what grounds 
should we worship and follow this God? And for some personalities, the fact that he's in charge is good enough, right? Like, and I don't blame them. Like if they're created that way, if that's good enough for them, then they should just go with that. That's fine. I think there's another part of our society, of all civilizations, different types of people, neighbors to our right and to our left who are saying, yes, but I want to know that this God is safe. And we might say, like, you know, C.S. Lewis, when he's talking about Aslan, you know, as an allegory of God and how God deals with the world and redemption, you know, the, the famous line of Aslan, he is good, but he's not safe. And for some, that's going to be enough. But I think many of us know, like, we've got now this great, um, vast information, this, mount, this growing mountain of information about trauma and about how people, um, there's a sense where within the human kit, there's a measure of knowing that we're safe that's that matters that's kind of required right and that's why i think um isaiah 5 is interesting there's this great parable about this this very careful vineyard owner who picks out a spot and does everything digs all the stones out of the way and puts a watchtower and puts up a gate and hedge and buys the choice vines not like you know not like the generic version <laughs> not the generic brand of vines but like the real deal you know, goes, takes some great care in picking it out and does all that's right. And when the vine does nothing, is at a loss. And um, instead of trying to continue to work further and further, finally the vineyard owner says, you know what? I feel like I've done enough. And maybe it's time to allow this thing to be overrun and to start over. Um, I think there's like this great sympathy for this vineyard owner, right? I think if you and I are in that same situation, We'd be pulling our hair out too. We'd come to our limit. And that's why we come to Isaiah 5. And I think it's just this operative metaphor for why some hardship's going to come to Israel and Judah at this part of the story, right? We know what happened before this. And because we have all the scripture, we know what happens after this. God doesn't leave them in exile in Babylon, but God hauls them out of there and he replants them back in the promised land. He prepares them and the world the whole cosmos to receive this great redeemer king that we know is Jesus now. But notice this operative verse. These are the grounds why this hardship is going to come against the people of Israel. And we're going to see that work its way out in the first part of Isaiah's book of prophecy. It says, The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. So yes, hardship's going to come, and that's a lot to explain as the faithful people to a critic. Why would your God act this way? But I think we also have to be able to reply and say, he's not doing this willy-nilly. Like, he actually delighted in this people. But he investigated, he looked, and he had patience in their streets. What he saw was not justice, which is what he asked for, which I think every civilization would call good. Like, we all crave justice, right? saw bloodshed and for righteousness right this this rugged commitment to the one story but her cries of distress because these people of god had wandered from their path they were living in an unrighteousness and they needed to find their way back to the the safe place back to the road so they could walk with their god again so i think we get this interesting picture of god take a lifetime to plumb to its depths but god who delights god who um has all this great intention and wants to create a community in the middle of all of his intention. And when that community goes wayward, God has, like, the God of justice, isn't he kind of required to do something about it? And there's a lot of options. 
before whatever God saw fit in, in, in his mercy and wisdom, he knew that first season it was time for this community of his to experience some hardship, but it was, he wasn't going to leave them there. We know how the story proceeds from here, but in this moment, they're going to wander into some very dark times. And um, God answers for himself throughout the rest of the book of Isaiah. And the second part of Isaiah, which scholars call second Isaiah, this is where God talks about promise after promise, restoration after restoration, restoring all that which was taken away and even adding to it, you know, bringing a, an upgrade to Israel because of all the promises that he still has for all of creation, including Israel itself. And so we get a glimpse of God and it's, it's a tough picture to be sure, but look where it began. It's a God who had vision, God who had love, God who had delight. God that wants to continue to work out this one plan and to do it right and have it be an honest connection with this community. And when this community determined from him, God had to take matters into his own hands. And this was his response. And we know where the story goes from here. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you this day that you're a good God. And uh, we look in scripture text and there are certainly valleys in this story where you struggle with your people, where hardship comes to your people, where you throw your hands in the air and you begin to wonder, what else could I have done? And so we thank you that in the depth of who you are, as the New Testament scriptures say, you are love. God is love. And in the midst of your love, you do just things. You have to straighten out the world and put it to its rights. God, we are people who crave justice, and many of us wonder if because we crave that, it's because we've been created in your image. And so, God, as we think about the unjust things that happen in the world around us, we also have to see that the line between justice and injustice runs even into the depth of who we are. And so, God, we plead for forgiveness. Um, we ask for your mercy uh, for the unjust things that we do or leave undone. We pray that you give us the moral courage uh, to face those things. But above all things, may we be the people who worship you. Uh, we don't worship you just because you're the big God and there's no one above you, and therefore you're the one that we have to worship. But we worship you because we hear your heart in a story like this. You're the God who has great intentions. You're the God who delights. And you're the God who can say, what else could I have done? We see you as the assertive friend and lover that we have. And so this day we give allegiance to you once more. We pray that you teach us your ways so that we be your people in the earth. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.